0: It was your episode. You were starting. Okay. I am excited because we're going to talk about teaching and especially teaching in higher education because uh, there are two ways, for me at least, that teaching in higher education is different than what I've done before. And one way is uh, most of us have taught in one format or another in K 12. So we worked with kids. We know how to teach, but schools, K 12 schools, and Higher education, the way college works, is very, very different, I feel, in some ways. In other ways, uh, teaching is teaching. And the second aspect, and that's definitely for me, is that I actually uh, came from another country. I've talked about this before, from Israel. And so uh, for me, the transition was also between the way higher education works in other countries and the way it works in the United States. It feels very different. Um, it there's the added difference in culture and in language that is making things uh, considerably more difficult. There's accent. One a student once. You're talking about mine? Yes, I am talking about yours. And one of my students once uh, told me that, uh, delightfully, by the way, <laughs> told me that I sound like Gru. <laughs> and, so, and I'm like, OK, I don't know what to do with that. but. Um, so, so those are real challenges when you start teaching um, in higher education, and your students feel comfortable saying things like that. Um, and I had a great relationship with that student, so it was fine. But it, it is in the back of our mind as we're thinking about what does it mean to teach in higher education? How was your first experience teaching?
1: Well, before we go into that, we okay, okay. should probably say uh-huh. today on Not That Kind of Doctor, we're talking all about teaching and the shift from teaching sometimes in elementary or secondary contexts into to higher ed. I'm Nick Hughesby. I am an associate professor of elementary literacy education here at UNL.
0: I'm Guy Trainin, and I'm a professor of literacy and innovative learning technologies here at UNL and this is? Oh, look at you adding things on. Yeah, I know. This is not that kind of doctor. Thank you. And so now. And now. How was it? How did you happen to teach the first time in higher education? So teaching
1: was part of the financial aid package that I was given from the institution that I studied at. So Indiana Mm -hmm. University Um, was like, hey, you're going to be a a teaching, a a, a teacher within our our program. They called us associate instructors. And I was in the unique situation of I taught within the special education program. So I was the literacy generalist
0: Mm, for
1: the special education program. So I was split between these two departments. There was literacy, culture, and language education rest in peace (laughs) and special education and and so there there was only one of me there was only one of me doing that particular job working with that particular population of of pre-service teachers so um there was this lovely challenge of what is it like to mm-hmm. be dropped into a course for the first time and not really have much support. Mm-hmm. Not 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 because that was designed that way, but because I was literally the only. It was one section every semester. I was the only person teaching in that section. Um, so it was an experience in. Getting an idea of what's been done in the past, what needs to be done in the future. When you're working in a teacher education program, you're always thinking about, like, how do I need to prepare students to actually teach in classrooms? What does that look like? Layered on with the additional special ed uh, kind of focus that those particular students had. So it was like... It wasn't like sink or swim. I definitely mm-hmm. had some water wings, but anyone who's had water wings knows that that's sometimes not enough. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, it, it was it was an experience. How about you? How did you?
0: So come for and me, I, and I'm talking about teaching in the United States, because I did actually teach in, in Israel in higher education, So, uh, and that's not unusual. Quite a few of, at least the students that we have here at um, UNL, when they come as graduate students, uh, the international students have had some, or maybe even a lot of higher education experience Mm -hmm. but higher education in different countries work in very very different ways and so uh, this is something that um, we have I I have thought about a lot okay um, a lot as a as I've made that transition but helped other students make that transition and that is the culture is very different the student expectations are very different so in many other countries for example students it feels more like we are used to in K-12 students um, get their marching orders and and really conform quite uh, quite extensively in Israel for example the credit load is considerably higher Mm-hmm. Uh, in any given semester uh, more like 20 plus credits uh, and things like that so um, there are very different expectations from that perspective um, and that's a that's a challenge in the transition i actually started as a ta and then i taught the same class ITA. would so that was a much easier transition into the way that um, we have kind of think about um higher education and ho- how to teach a class much easier than yours I think in that I've seen somebody else teach it more than once actually and then finally I got to teach it and and play a little bit with the variables and for me one of the first things that I've done and I've done that even when I came to UNL and I taught uh, the literacy class for the third time for the first time um, I really stuck more or less to somebody else's curriculum as much as possible Mm -hmm. for the first time. And after that first time, um, I was able to see what works for me, what doesn't work for me, what do I want to change? So if there is something to be learned from that, at least for me, is if there's somebody else teaching that, if there's a structure to support you, embrace that. Do not try to rewrite everything and say, I know better, and you may. I know everything that needs to happen it's actually uh, much better to take something and go with it and then realize what works and what doesn't work.
1: Right, like you can't redesign everything within three weeks, right? That's not how that happens. Like it's a, you pick certain things that you change and shift from semester to semester to semester, which is slightly frustrating yeah, because it's I, I think it speaks to the one of the things that really was a mind shift for me was the temporality of teaching in higher education. Mm-hmm. Coming from being a self-contained first grade teacher, I saw my kids every day, yeah, right. So like there there's there's something about being able to pick up those threads of learning from the previous day and extend them into the next. Whereas in university teaching, I may only see my students once a week. Yeah. Right? So, like, what do I have to do differently in order to connect those experiences because I don't see them for six days. Like there's six days in between me seeing my students and and what does that mean for my teaching? So that that temporality was uh, tricky, mm-hmm. as well as like how do we actually reach our students? Like, what are like we talk about pedagogy a lot in teacher education, usually for for elementary and secondary students. But what is what do those pedagogies look like for adults? Right, like how do you actually foster a discussion? Yeah when they all look at you like deer in the headlights.
0: And you start realizing that they have not read anything, and so there's not much happening Mm. right there, and you've got to have some strategies. So from that first time teaching, what were the biggest lessons you took? So I think the
1: biggest thing for me was how much I had taken from my own undergraduate experience. Like Mm -hmm. I was teaching courses that were very similar to the coursework I took as an undergraduate. Um, And so Lordy talks about how pre-service teachers, while they're in a, a teacher education program and we say they're learning to be teachers, they've been learning to be teachers for a really long time. And so it was this weird layer of, oh, I've been learning to be a teacher educator for a really long time, because that's that was part of my undergrad experience. And so thinking back to what my experiences were as an undergraduate and the things that didn't work for me, but also the things that did work, and trying to figure out why, what were the mechanisms under which, um, my my professors were operating and utilized that made that that particular learning experience work or not. So, throughout that entire process, like going back over like journals, my twenty two year old self had written mm-hmm. like this is what happened in class today and it didn't work. La 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 like. But trying to figure out, like, why didn't things work and what did work and identifying there are certain things I can do to get students engaged in my coursework, to engage in the content, particularly around teaching, reading, teaching, writing. Um, And so that, that was the first that first semester as I'm flailing around with my you know, water wings, uh, I was like, oh, these are some of the things that I can do and how do I build upon those and how do I expand upon those? So it was a lot of, was a lot of trial and error, a lot of, lot of experimentation in different, different ways because it's a different population.
0: Yeah, and for me, um, at every instance where I started again, um, I had to watch others and have a lot of... I was lucky enough, unlike you in your first one, um, for example, when I came to UNL, I taught, but there were two of the same class being taught at the same time. So, for the first semester, I collaborated with Kathy Wilson, who was here, and, and we. I used her syllabus so we could lean on each other, and she walked me through some of the moves and some of the options, and that's where I learned what worked for me and what didn't work, and that's where I started diverting, but that's how it started. And again, starting as a TA helped me see somebody else teach, and in that case, see what moves really worked well and what moves were going nowhere, because when you're sitting there and and being a TA, you have the opportunity to observe how students react, and really have some time to think. If that doesn't happen when you're teaching, you've got to debrief either with somebody else or even on your own, Mm -hmm. journaling, to think about what has happened, what worked, what didn't work. One of the things that I've learned in the first time I taught uh, on my own is that, uh, and it sounds trite and it sounds obvious, but creating really good personal connections um, and a relationship with your students is crucial. And the piece that I didn't understand is that temporality piece. And that is that seeing them once a week makes that relationship building a lot more important because mm-hmm. if you see, if you miss something in the building of relationship over the first few weeks, you may have lost them for the semester they may learn something but it'll be rough going there'll be a lot of resistance and it's harder to carry them to do the hard work that they need to do whereas if you build the relationships early then they trust you enough to go with you wherever you're you're going and wherever you want them to to go and really do again it's about hard work and mm-hmm. Uh, hard work is always hard and you're, there's always a resistance. So it's something to think about in the back of your mind is how do I establish relationship knowing that I will see them and then not see them for a week. Mm-hmm. And so really planning the first few interactions to set things on a clear course and providing enough structure for them to understand where the course is going. So uh, they, there's a sense of purpose.
1: Yeah, and I think there's, there's two things that are important to touch upon there, like the um, hot take, mm-hmm. potentially. But I always cringe a little bit about when I hear like, oh, relationships are the most important things. And I think what often gets missed when we talk about relationships Mm -hmm. in particularly education is it's a particular kind of relationship yes right like one of the things that you have to do as the instructor or as the teacher is demonstrate that or, or not not necessarily even demonstrate but just um establish the fact that you have particular knowledge, you have Mm -hmm. particular skills, and you are going to spend this class time investing in the students that you're working with so that they leave your course a better person when they walked in. Like every class session, they should leave that class session slightly changed. Yes. Right? And I I sometimes feel like that, that gets left out like, I know my students' names, mm. I know birthdays, I know favorite books. Like there's there's stuff that I'm getting from them, but the most important part of that relationship is that they know that I have particular experiences, particular knowledge that I'm going to work diligently with them to make sure that they grow in those areas and there's this investment right and so forth.
0: for me yes and it's good that you pointed that out because for me the relationship is really the relationship while doing the thing itself so Mm -hmm. while practicing how to teach literacy i'm not building relationships to just build a relationship we're not spending whole class sessions just sitting sitting together talking about our lives we are using the materials whatever they're reading whatever um, we're doing to create that layer of trust so it's not outside we're not just pausing on content and saying, we're just going to be nice to each other. I agree with you completely, mm-hmm. but there are strategies to do that while discussing um, pertinent issues. So, But you do have to put more time and effort to, into it. And actually because uh, the relationship is really linked to content you have to plan carefully because mm-hmm. it can't be devoid of content because students immediately get the sense that we're not actually doing any work that moves us forward and they start resisting rightfully so because if they're in teacher education or whatever they're learning really if they are there to get better, they are there mm-hmm. to learn how to do something. In our case, we both teach literacy, and they really want to know how to teach reading and writing. Mm-hmm. They know that is a critical feature. So, if we don't immediately start with that and build the relationship while doing that, they start immediately feeling like we're wasting their time and ours. And so, the la- layer of expertise and the it's got to be about um, what are you teaching me?
1: Great. Right. I mean, and that's that's the important part of that relationship building right like you need to establish that you have something to give in this relationship yeah i, I feel um, the other thing the other piece that i wanted to to come back to is like this temporality piece um because that was something that i was i really had to get my head wrapped around that and thinking about what tools i have available to me so like i have I spend a lot of time planning for class. I'm on an overload this semester and it is like my time (laughs) is blocked out right now. Um, That's part of the reason why I look like I should be in the background of a Duck Dynasty episode. (laughs) If you were to see me after noon today, totally different. It's going to look totally different. But, Mm -hmm. you know, when you got classes to plan, trying to get into the barber is not a not a helpful thing, but like the leveraging my learning management systems, mm-hmm. and and leveraging them in ways that make sense to students. So, keep, What are some examples of how you leverage it? So, so some some of the examples of how I leverage my LMS um, is uh, you got these all last semester. So yep. sorry. Uh, one of the things that that I really like to do after class is I always schedule an announcement that goes out to students. So it's essentially just an email through the LMS of, hey, this is what we talked about today. Here's what we're going to do next time that we meet. Here's all the links that you need to, to everything. Looking forward to this. Here's what's coming on the horizon. See you soon. And so that gets them, That that keeps me in, Mm-hmm. Their inbox, even though they're not seeing me. and I, I do this with even my classes that I meet once a week, like my doctoral seminar right now. We meet on Monday nights. I annoy them in their email on Thursday just to be like, "Hey, it's me, Hi, and the problem, it's me. Um, here's all the assignments that I gave you. are not you glad you took this class? You know, so uh, and and that helps kind of remind them that mm-hmm. hey this is a thing. Yeah. Where are you at? What are you doing? And it also invites them to like ask questions mm-hmm. around that. Um the other thing so so one big change that I made this semester was I realized that I spent a, I spent a lot of time creating these like hyperlinked Google Docs schedules for students and They don't reference them Mm -hmm. the only thing that they reference is their canvas yeah and so I kept getting feedback from students around well where do I find that that I don't understand I don't understand where we are and I was like did you check the schedule and they're like it's not on canvas I was like no the schedule's right here but they were talking about the canvas schedule Mm -hmm. and so this semester, like everything is, is in, in the Canvas, scourge- everything is right there. I still did my Google, but I didn't spend as much time um, like tricking it out as you as you might say. Um, and I've also been playing with. When things become visible to students. Yeah, So that things don't become visible. Like, not everything is visible. And I've kind of staggered when things Mm -hmm. get visible so that they're just thinking about me. Think about me. This feels a little bit like a Netflix. Like, I need (laughs) you to think about me.
0: So uh, for me, one of the ways I do that, um, and I've learned from you to do the announcements and to to leverage those. And one of the other things that I use is, especially after assignments, I produce I put together very short videos that are response to, here are the three mon- most common problems in this assignment. So it is not individual feedback, it is general feedback, but again, it keeps mm-hmm. me in their inbox. They see me, especially for classes that meet once a week, they see me, there's another moment, and they can get feedback quickly on an assignment, mm-hmm. even if they have not had time to look at my general at my um, specific feedback to their assignment, that, and um, one one word about video, and we're making video here, but it's a little bit different. When I make those kind of videos, these are videos I do at home, in front of the computer, um, after the pandemic, uh, on Zoom, mm-hmm. and I just shoot straight. And if I made a small error or something is a little bit off in the way I say it, it's fine. It would have happened in class that way as Mm -hmm. well. So I'm not concerned. I do not edit them unless there's a huge need Mm -hmm. for that. I'd rather reshoot a three to five-minute video than uh, start editing, because editing quadruples the amount of time you're going to use on that. It's not worth it. Um, You can upload this into a learning management system or LMS, or you can actually, and I put mine on YouTube, just because it's easy. And then I Mm -hmm. can embed it anywhere, and I can keep it. Not that I do anything with it. Um, although there is a repetitiveness to comments about assignments you use in classes over and over again. But still, I usually make a, a new video. And so that's another way to keep that um, in line. Yeah. It, and the, the video
1: thing I find is also very helpful. And I'm yep. of the same ilk where like, if it's less than five minutes, I'm not going to worry about editing.
0: Yeah. And, and it's ju- it can it will take over your life if every video makes. Yeah, yeah. I
1: mean, I, I think about durability. There mm-hmm. is it a video that I'm going to use class after class after class after class. If that's not the case, and I don't worry about it being too terribly polished, but if yeah. it's like videos about letter sound generalizations, I'm yeah. going to spend a little bit more time on that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, yeah, for sure. And and making sure that it comes together. But if it's if it's feedback, whatnot. Um i I kind of let go of the the perfectionism. I do also I would love to know about your videos. Sorry, this is an aside. yeah, this is an aside. <laughs> but um, I always find it interesting. here's another tip. track your teaching, track what works. Mm-hmm. track how students are responding to assignments, do assignments, do what you want them to do. like what yeah. are the objectives of your course and how are you measuring them? But like, as I track. Assignments that I've used year after year after year, semester after semester after semester, I share that feedback Mm -hmm. before they do the assignment. Yeah. Like, here's what other students, when I've used this assignment in the past, here's what other students have done. See if you can avoid these pitfalls.
0: Yes. Yes, collecting that. The other thinking about assignments is always on my mind as you're thinking about am I reaching my goals is do I need that assignment? Mm-hmm. I am a huge proponent of less is more in assignments uh-huh. because it makes your life manageable, especially if you're teaching multiple courses. That quickly takes over your lives and there are periods where you suddenly disappear because you've got so many assignments and in my case, they get backlogged and then you get anxiety and that whole Mm -hmm. thing, avoid that. And one of the ways to avoid that is avoid two things. One is avoid having too many assignments. So Mm -hmm. if you're taking somebody else's curriculum, avoid the urge to add anything to it, especially in, in assignments. Maybe take something away, but definitely avoid adding at the beginning and then After every time you teach, you want to think, did they do what I wanted? Was it too much? Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And uh, how can I make it more streamlined? You need assignments. You need to know that students are learning. But there's a point where it becomes too much. And especially between semesters, it's really easy to start imagining that we can do two more assignments uh, in that class because we missed and we didn't teach something and there's always something that we could have taught better and there are ways to get to that and assignments is probably the wrong way so if you are adding assignments you've got to take something away Mm -hmm. because it 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 easily becomes unmanageable well and, and again if you're teaching
1: multiple courses yeah one you do marie kondo the crap out of your syllabus like does this spark joy in terms of yeah. what this course is supposed to do? Mm-hmm. And if oh, it sure. doesn't, I get rid of it, right? Like, But that requires me to be very clear about what my objectives are and what performance indicators that I'm looking for mm-hmm. and how those assignments align with those performance indicators. And And if they don't... Yeah they don't spark joy, away they go, right? And and being very clear with students around those performance indicators, right? I think rubrics get a really bad rap, Mm -hmm. particularly when we use them as teachers to justify a score. That's not what rubrics are meant to do. Rubrics are meant to help students understand the trajectories of learning and how that gets represented and what we're going to be thinking about as we look through their assignments. So like if you're using a rubric just for a score, you're doing it wrong. You're just, you're doing it wrong. Like that should be a student facing tool to give them an idea of Of what you're expecting, of what the expectations are. Mm -hmm. And that's really been helpful for me around giving feedback on assessments. Because I'm I'm less concerned about like, what's your score? Those students will be very concerned about their score. Yes. Um, And more about how do I level you up? Like this is, and being very clear with a rubric around here's how I'm describing it. Here's how this has looked in the past and really unpacking with students the the ways in which that, that particular indicator can be manifest in an assignment um, so that you know as an instructor what you're looking for and students know kind of the demonstrations that they need to be cognizant of and aware of as they're doing that particular assessment work.
0: And the last thing to add to that, I think, is that there's some learning to be done um, about the program you're working in. Mm -hmm. And so, whether you're the only one teaching that course or part of a five or seven team, uh, seven member team that teaches that course, you have to understand that no matter what you're doing, you're teaching in a program that has multiple Mm -hmm. classes, and it is not your job to teach everything that is needed for whatever the major is. And in Mm -hmm. our case, mostly teacher education, you in that one class you're teaching are not supposed to teach them everything they need to know when they go out and teach in schools so you have to focus and you have to understand what the bigger picture is and that's very hard Mm -hmm. very hard when you're just entering and teaching for the first time you're starting in a program as a as a graduate student and you're um, um teaching for the first time, or you get a faculty job and you're teaching in that program for the first time. And that's one of the reasons that I think about, cling to somebody else's curriculum first, because they have probably figured out the expanse. And take the time to understand what is happening in other places, what you can build on that others have done and students have experienced already, and then what will happen in other places. And you don't have to worry about this much. because. I I know this instinct and that is I need to transfer all of the wisdom that I got from years of teaching in elementary school to you right now in this moment. It never happens that way. Yeah. I mean, there's,
1: and I think also something to be aware of as you're moving into these teaching positions for the first time or teaching courses for the first time is sometimes that work isn't evident. Like Sometimes I don't know what has come before my class, right? And that's that's a design issue, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. like, and and here at UNL in our elementary program, we're really thoughtfully trying to figure out where skills are being Happen. taught. So yeah. where are students learning to scaffold a classroom discussion? Mm-hmm. That's a generalizable skill that doesn't fall into any one content area but it's not clear necessarily how those what is happening, where and when. And so we're really trying to thoughtfully work through that, which is which is a start to that, yeah, um, a start to that kind of work of, I don't have to teach everything because mm-hmm. we're there this, this course is part of a larger program. This is but a chapter in this larger novel of a story, right <laughs> of 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 their coursework. Um, here's my small part of it. And this is how I add to the greater good of the program. But sometimes it's not as well laid out as we'd like it to be. Yeah, you know hey. so and that's where the communication with yes. other people within your program is really important. Um, because even as you're working on that design and and really formalizing that design um, if you have at least an idea of what is happening it's really helpful like the the stuff I've 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 been reading the stuff that students have had in the classes Mm -hmm. before mine and that really helps me build those connections so that some semesters aren't units unto themselves, right? We're building on these things and having that intertextuality. I'm a literacy person, so yeah. like of course that's
0: intertextuality is, is novel than all of that. Right. Yeah. You know? And those are the metaphors, but in what i do want to caution is when you're teaching for the first time again you've got to protect yourself you're doing this for the first Mm -hmm. time it is not your job if there isn't clarity in a program it is not your job as a graduate student or a first year faculty member to fix that you do not try to fix that you try to work within the parameters that already Mm -hmm. exist try to understand them in the best way possible and then do the best possible work you can knowing that the first time can be rough
1: well and knowing that sometimes those supports aren't there yeah right like sometimes you are literally just dropped into a course mm-hmm.
0: and there's i mean i I was dropped into a um a, a, a course in uh in a teaching special education and it was um out of left field and it was a summer class and i taught it and i said what is the course and Mm -hmm. they told me well it's basically disability a day and we had five weeks yes it was very much a calendar we're doing autism spectrum disorder on thursday learning disabilities in reading on monday and that's how the course went and i taught it exactly that way and i've never taught it that way ever again but the first time i just took it on and so there was no support there was there was. It was mm-hmm. basically a set of PowerPoints. You take it and you make the best of it. You cannot fix that. I mean, at least it's you not have your job. I did have PowerPoints. Sometimes you don't even have that. That is true. right. And that that that's an issue
1: in and of itself. So when you are thinking about if teaching is part of your, your package as a grad student, or when you first start as a new faculty member somewhere ask about what are the existing structures for for courses has there been the mapping is there a common set of resources for individual classes um because you can't just assume that those are there right like mm-hmm. other institutions i've been at oh great you're teaching Liplock. block here's here's the box. the box yeah here's all the articles everything's mapped out Here's what you can play with, here's what mm-hmm. you can't, here's what has to be taught, here's where you can here's where you can add yeah. some stuff in of your own. Um,
0: but that's not always the case. Yeah. So all right. So we talked a little bit about teaching. We're probably going to talk about teaching again. Okay. Oh, there's... Um, there's a lot to be talked about, especially about that relationship with students, and um, which I think mm-hmm. is worth uh, talking uh, about because again that is one of those differences between uh, teaching k-12 or teaching in another country and teaching a college in the united states but Mm -hmm. um that is for next time so you're you're cutting us off here i am cutting us off and saying we've talked about teaching quite a bit there's a lot to process for everybody there's a lot there's a lot um i think the the one last thing
1: that maybe we don't even have to talk about but like when you start teaching be aware of what the institution tells you you have to have on your syllabus yes like we don't really have to think about that we just have to copy and paste
0: please do that
1: (laughs) but it's always something that i kind of forget about until the last minute
0: oh that's a nice advice at the end
1: yeah right well it's just it's easy like just do it it's there it's probably somewhere do a google search ask someone it's there all the other stuff gets a little bit messier yeah so,
0: and the other piece is if you do have the opportunity to get somebody else's syllabus to start off with, you want to do that, even if you change it a little bit and make mm-hmm. it your own after you teach it once or twice, because there's wisdom in that syllabus as it was made. It might be not exactly your wisdom, but it is there's wisdom, accumulated wisdom there.
1: Yeah.
0: All right. All right. So,
1: we'll talk about teaching more next time
0: or not that kind of doctor. Not
1: that kind of doctor.